Welcome back to the Vine Church Podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning, all. Uh, we're going to be reading from Zechariah 13 this morning, and uh, it says this, Zechariah 13, verses 1 to 6. On that day, a fountain will be opened for the dynasty of David and for the people of Jerusalem a fountain to cleanse them from all their sins and impurity. And on that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will erase idol worship throughout the land so that even the names of idols will be forgotten. I will remove from the land both the false prophets and the spirit of impurity that came with them. If anyone continues to prophesy, his own father and mother will tell him, you must die for you have prophesied lies in the name of the Lord. And as he prophesies, his own father and mother will stab him. On that day, the people will be ashamed to claim the prophetic gift. No one will, be, will pretend to be a prophet by wearing a prophet's clothes. He will say, I'm no prophet, I'm a farmer. I began working for a farmer as a boy. And if someone asks, what about these wounds on your chest? He will say, I was wounded at my friend's house. This is a um, potentially confusing chapter, as many chapters in Zechariah are. And it's also a chapter where you can get into lots of issues, which I I could get into this morning, but because this is a devotional and I want us to take the devotional content from it, I'm not going to go down that route. I do think, though, devotionally, there's two very clear um, points to be made uh, in in this chapter. Well, they're really one point, but uh, uh, two two layers to it. And the first thing is, let's just set this in its context. We saw last week in the beginning of this chapter, this is in the context of what Jesus does to cleanse his people from their sins. Zechariah 12 ends with that uh, conversation about them looking on God, on the one whom they have pierced and mourning for him and being restored to him, repenting and returning to him. And then bear in mind, Zechariah didn't write with chapter divisions. And then chapter 13 carries that on by saying, and on that day, a fountain will be opened to cleanse them from their sin and impurity, the fountain of Jesus's blood. So there's this picture that as Jesus dies, as his blood is shed, he is cleaning his people from their sin and impurity. But as chapter 13 carries on, you find that that cleansing doesn't just affect the people that come to Jesus, doesn't just remove their sin from them, but also it removes false worship from them. It removes idols from the land. It removes false prophets who would prophesy in the name of the Lord, but aren't from him. So the first thing we see in verse two, on that day, on the day that the fountain is open, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will erase idol worship throughout the land so that even the names of the idols will be forgotten. Jesus' blood, uh, Jesus' death for us transforms us and sets our affections on the true God. Unfortunately, throughout history, not just in the Christian faith, but even in the Jewish nation and in other uh, religions as well, there's this notion of syncretism, the fact that you have two faiths that kind of go in sync. So I was talking to a friend of mine who does a lot of work in Zambia, and he was saying that often you get people who are becoming elders in their church, and before they become an elder, they go and talk to the witch doctor to see if it's the right decision. You just think these are two completely uh, distinct, uh, non-meshing belief systems that people are just holding as though they both work, what's, what's called syncretism. 
But Zechariah is saying, if you've really come to Jesus, if you've come to that fountain of cleansing, then idols, false gods, are going to be cleansed as well. No more syncretism. The affections are set on the true God and no other. And the effect of having no idols figure in uh, Israel's history, false prophets represent a, a, a doctrinal descent from what God has said. So it's not that the false prophet themselves is the issue, it's that Israel are allowing what they're saying to be said. It's what we might call heresy today. Something which God has said, do this, the false prophet says, no, do this, and people go, oh, okay, we'll listen to the false prophet. That's the real issue, which is why in uh, Deuteronomy 13, that the person who teaches falsely and leads the people astray is to be put to death. If they say to do things that the Lord has not commanded. And so I think there's a link here between the removal of idols and the removal of uh, false prophecy, the removal of heresy. And it's this, heresy is always preceded by a false view of God. In order for us to build a doctrine, a heresy, which goes against the Bible, first we have to have our own view of what God should be like. And then we allow that to be placed on the Bible and our reading of it. Some of the most obvious heresies, for instance, um, one of the first heresies in the church was uh, Marcionism, who was a, Marcion was a very capable scholar in the early church who had this view that the God of the Old Testament is what he called a demiurge, this mean God, this creator God, the one who cursed the world with existence. The God of the New Testament is a God of light, and a God of love, and Jesus represents him. And he's opposed to the demiurge of the Old Testament. And so from there, he then went to the Bible and he started to cut out all of the books which have reference or, or seem to be, um, what's the word, that seem to uh, like this Old Testament demiurge, this Old Testament God. And so the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament was cut. And then as you go into the New Testament, Matthew's cut, too Jewish. John is cut, too Jewish. Big parts of Luke are cut various epistles are cut and all he had left was a bit of gospel of luke and a few of the letters most of paul he liked paul now what he's done there is he has a view of what god is like first and then he imposes that on the bible now that's obviously an example that is easy to point at other times heresy is a lot more subtle than that we probably have heresies in our own life that are formed by a false view of god somewhere along the lines the only way to be uh, really allowing the Bible to shape our doctrine as if the Bible shapes all our doctrine, including our presuppositions, including what we assume about God when we come to it. And what we're seeing here is that God shows that he is passionate about his people believing right things because God is the one who opens up this fountain. God is the one who has Jesus on the cross. And God is the one who said, he says, I will erase idol worship. I will remove from the land both the false prophets and the, the unclean spirit that came with them, the spirit of impurity. Now, just one very applicable way that we see that, think of that, uh, that, that sentence there, I will remove that unclean spirit from them. When we see Jesus uh, in Israel, in his ministry, he is removing unclean spirits. This is God showing that he is passionate to remove uncleanliness from his people. And so Jesus does this when he comes. God is going to remove both our false views of God and our false views that come and our false heresies that come from that. God is passionate about these things. Now, we then read quite a uh, 
maybe quite hard to hear or even confusing from our from our Western ears, conversation about fathers and mothers killing their own children and uh, people being ashamed to wear prophet's clothes and saying, I'm not a prophet, I'm a farmer. And what are these wounds on your chest? Oh, I was wounded at my friend's house. These are potentially odd. Now, I think this bit is actually quite confusing because it does it doesn't just say merely that people won't be false prophets. It says that people will be ashamed to claim the prophetic gift. And this is talking about the context of what Jesus does. So how does that relate to our church today? And, you know, what Christians should be doing? I don't know. I'm not going to go there. But it does say that people will be ashamed to, to claim the prophetic gift. What then follows is things which Israelites would understand very well, but maybe we don't. So a prophet would dress themselves in clothes of hair like John the Baptist. And so no one will pretend to be a prophet by wearing a prophet's clothes. I mean, no one's going to put that outfit on. He'll say, I'm no prophet. I'm a farmer. You know, in other words, no, 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 I, I'm not the prophet. I'm not the prophet, which is uh, funny because this is what Amos says when he's called to be a prophet. I'm no prophet. I'm a, I'm a farmer. But God says, no, I'm calling you to be a prophet. And now we have people who are false prophets saying, no, 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 I'm not. I'm just a farmer. They're, they're going the other way. And then finally, prophets, we read in Leviticus 19, would have lacerations on their body to show that they're kind of dedicated to their gods. So now if someone sees these lacerations, they might think, hang on a second, he's one of those false prophets. No, 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 no. No, I was wounded at my friend's house. The message here is that people who would like to claim this gift but have no right to will not because of what God is going to do among the people. God is going to remove that pride that would like people to uh, say that they're more than they are. So uh, I've gone on a lot longer than I thought I would, actually. But um, there, as I say, there's that one clear point from Zechariah 13, which is expressed in two ways. The one clear point is God wants to cleanse his people from sins and from falsehood. And the two ways he does that, first, he removes our false view of God. First, he removes our idols. And once the idols are taken away, heresies cease as well. You can't have heresies with a true view of God. So in light of that, let's pray and ask God to do that in our lives. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you remove the idols from our lives so we can't even remember their names anymore. And we pray that you would remove all falsehood, all heresy, all views we have of you which are not fitting with your word. Do this by your spirit, we pray. Lord, we thank you that you've cleansed us in the blood of Jesus. Continue to cleanse us as I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me, guys. I'll see you later. Bye.